welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and along with my co-host, Chris Kay, we discuss and dissect our favorite music, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, pop open a cold one, and let the debate begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the debut episode of Debating Metal. I'm Kenneth Dean. And I'm Chris Kay. Today, we'll be introducing ourselves and discussing our favorite bands and what heavy metal means to us. Over the coming weeks, we'd like to get your feedback and read your opinions online on subjects we talk about and what your feelings are on heavy metal and hard rock. So I'm going to begin today by sharing my story about when I first heard heavy metal, hard rock, or something like that, and it began in October of 1977 when I first saw a commercial for Kiss Alive 2, uh, the new Kiss album that was coming out. And there was just, you know, I saw the commercial, there was fire, there was explosion, there was blood, there was smoke. And it was so cool, I immediately got attracted to it. And from there, it was it was on. But then after that, I really didn't listen to much hard rock or heavy metal other than Kiss until 1980 when I experienced ACDC's Let There Be Rock movie for the first time. What about you? Uh, I was born 1986, a little bit after the biggest you know portion of, of the origins of metal. Um, it wasn't really until I was about 10 to, to 14 years old uh, in, in that range where I really started listening to metal. Um, I grew up listening to a lot of what my parents listened to, which was more on the soft side. Um, my mom was a big Kenny G fan, and you know, so I didn't I didn't really get into it until later. But I found myself always wanting something heavier and heavier whenever my dad would play George Thurgood or, you know, uh, the like. Uh, he was a big Eric Clapton guy, but uh, you know, more rock as we were younger i always found myself wanting something heavier and heavier and then i, f- I found uh metallica uh that the injustice for all the the first you know 30 seconds of of black and just blew my mind i listened to it over and over and over again before i even listened to the whole song you know i just it, it was it was like that moment where it was like this is what i should have been listening to all these years so uh yeah metallica would be the the first my genesis into uh into heavy metal well that, that's a good way to begin i tell you that i would say so <laughs> i mean you had a good foundation. Your parents actually listened to rock music, but mm-hmm. my my family, I didn't grow up with my parents, so they listened uh, to Spanish music, pop music. So that's what I was, you know, disco. I w- that's what I was. I grew up on listening to, you know, WABC in New York on AM radio, not not even FM. I didn't discover FM till I was like a teenager. Like I had no yeah. idea. I just listened to cassettes of Kiss music <laughs> until 1980, and then I bought records, and I was so I was listening to records and cassettes, and that was. The main thing until that time. Yeah, well, uh, for a lot of my when I was young, it was a lot of classical music too. So I mean, that made sense as as I listened to more metal. I gravitated more towards the the stuff that was based on classical music and less on the the poppy end of it, like Poison and and some of those guys where they were, you know, still in the metal genre. But but I was more gravitating towards the operatic style. You know, that's why Iron Maiden's one of my favorites now because i just it, you know there, there's that aspect of the way bruce sings um i i like the heavier stuff too i mean i'm a big death metal guy death is one of my favorite bands so i mean i it, i've got a pretty wide breadth of what i like no oh, that's cool i mean 
one of the things that we're going to talk about is besides obviously our favorite music um, and and our favorite bands today is with getting into the whole heavy metal. You may something may or may not have got you into it, but you definitely drift away to a different. You know, you start focusing in on something else. You know, like I for a long time listened to you know hair metal, whatever you want. What they didn't call it that in the eighties. I was growing up, but I listened to a lot of that. But then I drifted away from that and got into Metallica, Anthrax, the Big Four, and then Celtic Frost and 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 Venom, things like that, and then slowly faded back to the, to the pop metal type stuff. Well, I mean, you also had the benefit of going through all that time period. You know, being young when metal really became a thing in the 1970s you had you know black sabbath and and the the origins of metal uh, so you kind of lived through all that time right you know, seeing all those yeah, things so I, you had the you had the benefit of going through those evolutions for me it was going back and and listening to the discographies and and I I've always been a guy that starts where you know where I can find it first but then go go through in order I like albums I like listening to you know if I was going to go through Metallica, you know, listen to Kill 'Em All and listen through their their entire uh, catalog and their evolution from their genesis to now. I think that's that's something that we're going to definitely be talking about. We're going to be debating, you know, differences between albums. Um, you know, talking about uh, we're going to talk about everything. I mean, you know, the differences between albums, the differences between songs, the differences between musicians. In the musicians band, in the band, yeah, yeah. in the band, musicians that came after, you know, and and, and all that stuff. I mean, it, it, the how things like Jakey e. Lee being in the band rather than Randy Rhodes would have affected the sound. Oh, exactly, like exactly. Thing, you know, and those debates are going to continue to rage on for years to come. And that's that's the cool thing that we're going to do in this podcast is we're just going to open up the opinions and hopefully when when. Uh, the listeners, you know, hear this, they'll be able to, you know, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, get on Twitter, and and voice their opinions, and we can always talk about it. And th- and that that's going to be the cool part about this whole thing. Now, that being said, our main subject. So we figured out that this is how we got into metal. Our main subject today is going to be two things. One, we're going to discuss our favorite bands, um, our top five favorite bands, and then second, we're going to discuss what heavy metal means to us and and more specifically when we hear the term heavy metal what do we visualize in our mind what do we see who represents metal and and in in our minds you know what's the first thing you think of when you hear the term heavy metal so why don't you chris tell me what your top five favorite bands are all right so i would say number one would be iron maiden it, it's it's a difficult call for me sometimes to to pick number one, but at the time being, Iron Maiden is number one. They have such a, a huge catalog of amazing albums. Even their worst albums are better than some of the you know lesser bands' best albums. Yeah, of course. And even even through all the changes, the Paul Diano era, the first Bruce era, the Blaze era, um, the second Bruce era, the current one, they they have. They've been able to keep true to themselves and put out a product that they love, they care about. They don't cater to the to the the, the public and say, "Oh, we're only going to go out and play the hits." They play everything. They still put out great albums and commit to that. They do tours that where they play just the the songs from their new albums with you know with a few of the hits. But but that's that's what they're all about. And uh, you know, I just above all others. I I just love them, and if I'm going to pick a favorite album from 
from Iron Maiden since it's my number one. I'm going to say Number the Beast. I hear you. I like that. <laughs> that that's probably my favorite album because that's the, that's the album that I got into Maiden with. And I that was back in 1982 when the album came out. And I agree with you. Iron Maiden is one of my top favorite bands. It's not my number one. They are my number two. My number one is Metallica. But continue with your list and we'll, we'll go over uh, everybody as we go, get along. Um, I would say in, it's difficult for me to place the you know two through four in the exact order. Um, but I'm going to bring up Children of Bottom. Uh, they just pretty much ended their career, I believe. Uh, they haven't fully committed to that because I think the name is still kind of up in the air. Um, but they're, they're you know, a, a symphonic uh, death metal band that uh, has been around since the early 90s, uh, just or late 90s, actually, 1997. Um, but w- one of my favorites of all time, I-, I can find something I love in every album, uh, maybe not so much. I worship chaos, which was one of the last ones. But uh, everything they done, I just it just appealed to me. Maybe from the classical end of things, uh, there was a lot of uh, a synth to the music as well, which I which I very much enjoy. Um, I would say Judas Priest has got to be on that list. Painkiller was just that album that just blew my mind. Uh, I, I started in the later catalog with British Steel and went on from there. Uh, but went back and you know listened to all the earlier stuff as well. There's just so much of a, of just history there. Even the Ripper years, I really love love those two albums. Uh, Jugulator being the better of the two, but everything that they did, I could find love in. And even Nostradamus, the the concept album, which I'm looking at Dean's face and I'm seeing. Yeah. It's just it's, I I can't get into that album. I just, <laughs> it's, it's it's not not anyway. I mean that that would be. It goes right there at the bottom between rock and roll and Nostradamus or bringing up the, the rear on that for, for me. But I mean, rock know. and roll is a, is a tough listen because it's just so aged at this point. Oh yeah, um, but like, there's still some some cool stuff on there. And I mean, if it's played in the later years, you know, the instrumentation's a bit different, and I. I I can still really appreciate everything that they did back then, yeah, of course. and and evolving from a hard rock band into into you know the metal god Rob Halford. Yeah. So you got Iron Maiden, you got Judas Priest, you got Children of Bottom. Who else? You got two more. I would say Death. I mean, Death. Was, did you mention Death? I did uh, mention did. Death earlier, but not during this okay. this segment. Uh, death may very well be number two for me. Um, and I know I'm going in an odd order, but Chuck Schuldiner, just amazing musician. Um, if you're not familiar with Death, it it was more of a project than a band per se. But the guy worked with some of the most fantastic musicians that that this world has ever seen. You know, fretless bassist, you know Steve DiGiorgio, Richard Christie, who appeared on uh, Howard uh, Howard Stern later right. on. Um, he, I mean, just everyone he worked with contributed to each album as a project and an art piece. He, he was he was more about creating something that he loved with each album. So a lot of people know that he he worked with 40 different guys in the band. Well, right, right. You know, that was that was to create the best piece that he felt he could put out every time. And I just I'll go more into death over over the course of the, you know the the whole show, but but uh, was was Chuck's idea of of the band Death was it was it 
supposed to be a band or was just supposed to be a single project and he just brought the best players for each time he made a new that, project? That's more along the lines. I, th- I think originally he wanted a band, but things just didn't always work out. And the guys that he was playing with couldn't always go across the country with them and stuff like that. So it ended up just being more of a conglomeration of writing of his. Okay, number five. Or, or a, a fifth one is who? Um, Number five might be tough for me. Um, I'm going to have to go with... I'll go with Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath, you know, they were one of those bands that I was just enthralled with from all the different incarnations of the band. You had Ozzy, which the first six albums were just, they're classics. They're just perfect. Then you have the Dio years. Uh, Obviously, there were two more albums with Ozzy, but they weren't quite as good. And that was evident from the breaking up of the band twice during that time. Then there was uh, the Dio years. Both of those albums, the first two, uh, were so good. Then you got all the the history with all the different everything afterwards. Tony (laughs) Martin, Glenn Hughes. Jakey Lee for a while. Not Jakey Lee, excuse me. Um, I'm talking about uh, the singer. What's his name? Uh, Ray Gillen. Well, you had Ray Gillen, who Ray Gillen didn't little, record an album, right. but he he was on the demo tapes for uh, Eternal Idol. Right. Uh, but you also had Ian Gillen from Deep Purple for one album with uh, Born Again. And so there's just so much history there. There's there's more more great albums on than you can count on one or two hands. Um, and there's it's just it was just one of those things that just enthralled me almost like how kiss has so many members of the band um black sabbath just had this has this story to tell that you follow throughout the years and you know they they were, i think they were put together between 1970s to 1995 uh, you know over 15 albums and oh, yeah. and uh i just they were one of those that it was more the mystique of the band that that really just made me and it just obsessed with them for a long time and i'm gonna just put an honorable mention in there is scorpions and the reason why <laughs> is scorpions because it's funny i've never thought of them as my top tier like top 10 band right but i look at the amount of times that i've listened to scorpions where i just like i don't know what to listen to so i'm like oh scorpions and i'm like that's really telling that that's the band might like my go-to of who, uh, who when I don't know what to do, I pretty much always go to Scorpion. That's that's like that with me and Anthrax, or there's a couple of, of those bands, but like Anthrax or White Snake or Twisted Sister, those three are always going in and out of my mm-hmm. playlist of stuff that I listen to, even though they're, they're, they're like not under the top. radar, but right. they're, yeah, they're, they're they're up there. Exactly. Well. You mentioned your five and an honorable mention. We mentioned before that Iron Maiden was one of my favorites. They're my number two. Um, my number one is Metallica. I I heard Metallica in 1985, I think it was, for the first time. I heard the song Whiplash. I was blown away. Couldn't believe that that, that song could, uh, music could be played that fast. And from there, it's been a love affair all the way through to, to today because it, it there's... There's almost nothing you can tell me that's going to discourage me from listening to Metallica. There's nothing you can tell me that's going to discourage me from liking Metallica. 
I I even like St. Anger. The only thing I don't like out there, okay, is I don't like... There's my reaction to his... That's Nostradamus for Right, exactly. I I don't like Lulu, but I don't consider that a Metallica album. That's not a true Metallica album. It's a Lou Reed featuring Metallica. You know, but everyone's going to always bring that up. What about Lulu? Well, you know, Lulu was terrible, but if you listen to it instrumentally, it's probably not a bad album. You know, and I think I think it's available out there somewhere where you can listen to it instrumentally and and, and not uh, have to hear Lou Reed and his droning words. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't particularly like it either. But um, yeah, Metallica is just again. I mean, I've been they've, I've seen them the most. I've gone to Arkansas to see them. I've seen them in Miami. I've seen them in in Houston, um, and so they are up there as as, as my number one. Iron Maiden number two. I've seen Iron Maiden the second most times in concert. You and I went recently to the Legacy of the Beast tour. It was in amazing September. show. Probably the best amazing. show I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's right up there. It's, it's got to be my top five because you know I, I saw the World Slavery Tour in 1985. That was my first show, and that it still probably ranks as my number one just because it was the first one and it was just amazing, uh, especially to be seen in a small venue like uh, Radio City Music Hall in New York. <laughs> So I I date myself, but I don't care. (laughs) Okay. All right. And the band that I had mentioned earlier that started it all off, Kiss, they're my number three. They were, um, they were there. Not, they were not there for me, but I was there for them through thick and thin. I mean, I was there through the dynasty period, through the elder (laughs) period, through creatures of night, all that thin stuff. Um, and I stuck with them. I listened to them in the eighties. One of my, my best friends in high school was a big kiss fan. And so, uh, Rob, if you're out there, hi, how you doing? So kiss, you know, I, I, the only reason they got lowered was because my love affair with Metallica has just gotten stronger and stronger and stronger over the years. And obviously your love affair with Iron Maiden. Stronger (laughs) today than ever. I tell you that much because Iron Maiden is, it's just amazing. All right, so number four is going to be ACDC for me. Um, again, they, they basically became the, the, the second band that, that broke me into hard rock and Definitely heavy Definitely in my top ten, especially Bon Scott era. Oh, yeah. but And that, I mean, I, I saw that movie when it came out in 1980, and, and it was, it just blew me. I knew nothing about the band. I had never heard a song from ACDC. I had never once even heard a riff or know anything. And then I, I saw... The marquee in a movie theater back then when you can actually, you know, when they had marquees and they only played one movie at the theater hmm. and it was, you know, that, and it's, it's funny, $5 is what it cost at the time and that was really expensive uh, in 1980 and because most movies were like two fifty three dollars um, so five bucks, I got to see this movie, this concert movie and it just blew me away and I'm like, I went straight to the record store which was right across the street and I bought Back in Black not knowing that it was a different singer, <laughs> but it's 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 uh, amazing to get the the best album. Well, I mean, speak, speaking of which, with with Bonfire, that that uh, tribute that they released to to Bon Scott, they inexplicably released uh, Black Back in Black on that that set. Conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll get into that too uh, as as the episodes come on. Um, and finally, um, a, a very strange pick and and. Not necessarily strange for me, for anybody who knows me, but when you compare it to everybody else, my number five band, favorite band of all time is Queensryche. And I got into Queensryche really early on. I believe the warning had just been released. I'm not exactly sure. But um, 
I saw the video for Queen of the Reich on on some video channel. It wasn't MTV. It was uh, some local radio, not uh, some local high school video station. Made this video, and I was like, "Wow, what is this? Super cool riff, the screaming, the 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 theatrics in the in the video, the the dress up, the garb, all that stuff was just this is at the time was heavy metal. It was hard rock. It was glam metal. Whatever it was, it was awesome." And so I, I instantly got hooked, ran out, bought the EP, bought the first album, and I've been a fan ever since. And you and I are going to go see them in a few weeks. That's true. So, I've, I've never been a big Queensryche fan, um, but I am a fan of, of live bands. And I, I've Dean gave me a list of Queensryche songs to listen to, and there was some really good stuff on there. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see them. You know, I I'm sure seeing them live is going to be a better experience as well. Well, it's, and it's also you know the House of Blues is such a small venue. Uh, it's it's relatively intimate, so you just get to see them right up. In front. Oh, absolutely! If you yeah. if you live in Houston, the House of Blues is a is a great venue. It's just you have a you have a a, a intimate setting while still being big enough to to house quite a few people. Yeah, I mean, I saw Queen. I met Queensrÿche at. The Scout Bar in Houston, South Houston, and that also good. Beer. That's a small place. It's small, but because it's small, it's it's so intimate. It's it's oh, awesome. It, it was it was awesome, man. I, I got, got to to meet David Vincent there and talk to him and and you know just sit and kind of pick his brain for a couple hours. Uh, David Vincent, singer of Morbid Angel. All right, so we've talked about or our I should say former lead singer of Morbid Angel. But, yeah, you got it. So you've heard our top five favorite bands. Chris's five, my five, honorable mentions, and all that stuff. So now we're going to talk about what heavy metal means to us, what we see in our minds when we think of heavy metal, who we see, who represents it the most. I'm going to let Chris talk about what he thinks is heavy metal. So Chris, when you hear the term heavy metal, what what comes to mind? Who comes to mind? And what comes to mind? Um... It's kind of a odd thing to say, but to me, heavy metal is kind of comfort. Um, it was a big way that I met a lot of my friends in my life. Uh, it was it was a, a comfort zone in all the changes because I moved around a lot, uh, met a lot of people over the years. But it was the one thing that really just you know brought me closer to other people. You know, I remember being in college and one of my best friends now came up to me and said, hey, is that an In Flames shirt? And I was wearing a Clayman shirt from uh, from their, their tour in Houston. And, uh, well, U.S. tour, but they're, you know, right. they're stop in Houston. And uh, I was like, yeah, this, you know, it's from Clayman. And, and uh, he goes, I like every album up to that album. so we it was funny we had a discussion right there and you know we over the years just became friends we've been friends since 2005 so um it was it it was like that everywhere i went i mean i can go into a a jimmy john's like i did the other day and i'm wearing an iron maiden shirt and the guys just kind of like you know thank you here's your sandwich is oh. that an Iron Maiden shirt? You know, so <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had the same experience when I went to, to to the movies. I was wearing an Iron Maiden shirt, and a kid, no less, opened the door for me by chance, and he's like, "Hey, nice shirt." You know, it was one of the tour shirts when we went to see the Legacy of the Beast. Yeah. So yeah, that, and I totally understand and 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 jive with the fact that it, it's one of those things that does bring people together. Yeah, oddly and enough, it, just it, it 
in the early days, I mean, not so much now. If you've been in a mosh pit in the last few years, it's a lot of kung fu fighting and bullshit like that. But <laughs> but uh, mosh pits were always kind of a fun place to be. And, you know, it, it just that energy, everybody feeling the same thing, enjoying the music. It just it was a, it was a place to belong. Um, and as far as like who uh, represents metal to me. Uh, the, I gotta say that the, the person that in my mind's eye, if I close my eyes, is probably the electric eye, <laughs> Rob Halford, the um, metal god, the metal god. I mean, uh, Judas Priest in general, but but uh, Rob Halford, he's just he he has the attitude. He he's just such a staunch supporter. If there's anybody just out there waving a flag for metal, it's it's Rob Halford. Yeah, he he sweats metal. He, he does. I mean, <laughs> like, it, like Adrian it, Smith clink, oozes clink, cool. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Rob Halford sweats metal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he just he's just that guy. He's supportive of all the young bands that are coming up. He's he's just he's a good guy. Um, so so uh, humble and just just such a staunch supporter of metal so when i think of 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 the genre it's got to be him and and that's you know there's nothing wrong with that that's for sure i mean he he definitely epitomizes what heavy metal is you know he he, he's the one who created the look that everyone adopted you know Uh, the leather kiss you know motorcycle Right, exactly. I mean, Kiss can sit there and say, oh, they had leather and studs. But I mean, you really think about what the way Gene looked in 74 and 75. He had that leather cape that had studs <laughs> on it. Yeah. And he had that that cod piece. That, but realistically, they were wearing satin spandex. And, and they had you know some belts on. But they, it wasn't the look that eventually got adopted by Rob. But yeah, that, even that the- became the look of heavy metal. I mean, Iron Maiden looked exactly like Robert Rob Halford. When when you they walked around you know in nineteen eighty yeah. you know in, in eighty one and it wasn't just the leather I mean even before that with the denim and stuff like that I mean it, the, every incarnation of of not just the way they looked but the way they they the attitude that they had that was metal I mean right. it, it, you know and I'm going back to Judas Priest and not just Rob but I mean they they were a big part of it as well right no of course heavy metal to me. It is very similar to what you were saying when we were talking about the feeling of community, the feeling of brotherhood. Because mm-hmm. very similar to when when you met your friend, was George that you met? Yes. Right? So I mentioned Hi, earlier. George. <laughs> I mentioned earlier um, my friend Rob. He was my one of my best friends in high school. I was 10th grade. I was sitting behind him in architecture class. And I mentioned, you know, I think we had five minutes left on, on on the school day, and I mentioned, all right, I'm going home tonight, and I'm watching a new Kiss video for Heaven's on Fire because it premieres tonight on MTV. <laughs> and he turned around. I mean, he spun his head so fast it almost fell off. He's like, you like Kiss? And I'm like, hell yeah, I like Kiss. He's like, cool. And that our, we were tight for three years nice. at that point. You know, and that's the way, you know, it, it became. It. Someone saw a shirt. Someone saw a uh someone else with long hair it was automatically we should or could be friends you know and that now that's that was always a cool thing about metal you know you, you don't get that in a lot of other genres i mean rap it's kind yeah, of we almost had to understood. have each other's backs because <laughs> yeah exactly you know <laughs> pop music and, and all that stuff was you know everybody liked that but uh metal was different you were it was like a tribe to a degree um and when i think of heavy metal when 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 i sit there and close my eye and, and I hear what is heavy metal to me. Heavy metal to me is Iron Maiden. Um, 
and and not because Metallica is not metal. Obviously, they are. But Iron Maiden. There's something about Iron Maiden that when when you saw them, especially in in, in 1982, you know, on the back of the of the album cover, they're all wearing leather jackets and, and studded belts. You know, but in, on tour they looked a lot different. You know, the spandex pants, the, the studded belts. You know, you got to move. Yeah, yeah, you got to be <laughs> able to stretch and stuff like that. But it was just a look, and and they epitomized it. And so when I think about metal, I think about Iron Maiden. You know, and and just from there it expands. Obviously, you know, the music is just amazing. Uh, can't I can't say anything bad about anything that that Iron Maiden has put out. That's for sure. I mean, I think. I mean, I can say a few bad things about the the Blaze era, but even it's then, no but, slight. There's still some good songs. But if on you think albums. about even even with the Blaze era, you know, everyone criticized the Blaze era. But if you think about it, I mean, on this Legacy of the Beast tour, they played two songs from the Blaze era: "The Sign oh, of the Cross" and the, "The The Klansman." So they picked one song from each album. And even then, if you look at the first few songs off of off of uh, Virtual, not Virtual Eleven, of uh, X Factor, that was those first four songs were pretty good. They yeah. just weren't Bruce. Well, and that, that's just a thing. I mean, it, I I understand completely why they picked Blaze as their next singer. He fit the band. He just he didn't have the voice that appealed to as many people, and and it may be just that it, he didn't fit with that band. They had already been through the big change with Paul Diano, and then you you go to Bruce and the, with Bruce for so long that it was hard to accept that change. I think they. I, I think the mistake with Blaze. I, I, as much as you see that how he fit, I didn't see how he fit at all. I think they needed fit, to he have fit lyrically. Someone. That's what I mean. Okay, but I think they needed someone more than lyrically because they had a oh, past that they needed to represent, and I think that's where they failed to meet what people were looking he for. He wasn't the showman that Bruce is, and who is? I mean, right. really, who is exactly. the showman True. that Bruce I mean, is? There's not many people who can keep up with that guy. Yeah, I mean, even even Rob Halford doesn't move around the stage. Like, he could probably fill in a show for Bruce, <laughs> and people would be like, oh my God, that was amazing. Right. But, but yeah, he's he's not going to move around the stage and do all the things, the antics that he does. No, not at you all. shoot flames through a flamethrower while singing. I mean, it's amazing stuff. Yeah. But but Blaze Blaze failed on that level. He hit his voice was so different from Bruce's, and it, to to think that he was going to be able to even replicate half of what Bruce was able to sing, that's where I think Steve Harris failed in picking Blaze as 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 Bruce's replacement. I think there could have been a lot of other people, and maybe even people that we don't know, that probably had a better voice that was more attuned to what Iron Maiden was at the time. You know, yeah. Maybe it was about songwriting. Maybe they did get together in in, in the in in the the, the stable or whatever. I, it, I think that's what they Steve were intending has. to do. I think I think that he was trying to pick, and I say he is, and Steve was trying to pick a guy that fit along the lines of what he wanted the direction of the band to go in, and that was in the lyrical sense. And they were kind of a like darker albums than the previous ones. Uh, yeah. They were a little more serious and less tongue in cheek, and that had always been Maiden's thing. And maybe, maybe Steve was just going with what he felt at the time. And I, I'd, I'd like to know more about that myself. I mean, do a little bit more research. But uh, well, the, the '90s were kind of dark. They for, were a dark a time. <laughs> you know, they were the the empire was taking over, and. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was it was a dark time. Uh, I mean, grunge music was around. Metal was kind of going by the wayside, right. and it was it was a lot of bands were changing to remain or rerouting. You know, they're, what they were they were uh, putting out, and Iron Maiden wasn't really doing that. Other than th- they were forced to make those changes with Bruce leaving the band. Yeah, yeah, they were. And it's and it's uh, unfor- it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it became something where it, now they're almost virtually unstoppable. I mean, it's amazing yeah, what, they, what they're doing out there. And they're even bigger around the world than oh, they are here. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. mean, to think about you know being able to uh, to sell out the stadiums that they sell out, absolutely, and, and, and the tours that they do. I mean, it's bigger and better than ever. So. And and again, no slight to Blaze because he did carry the banner during the time that, that that Bruce was gone and still put out some great songs. Future Real comes to mind is my favorite mm-hmm. Blaze era song, and that and that's off of uh, Virtual Eleven, which yeah. which that is album the is most not derided, as, yeah. right? Everyone rips that album, but the Klansman's on there, Future Real's on there. There's probably a good four songs on that album, which and the Klansman was one of the standouts to me at the at the Iron Maiden show was just oh that was amazing, yeah, and and not because like obviously the one the classics are going to appeal more, but hearing that song. Sung by Bruce and just not really knowing it as well because I wasn't as big into the Blaze era. That was amazing. That was great. It was. So if if you had to pick between Sign of the Cross and the Klansman, which which one do you like? The Klansman for sure. Okay, so I like. I enjoyed that song a lot more. Me too. Um, I think the Sign of the Cross. It's a good song, um, but it's not as to me. It's not as strong as as uh, the Klansman. Oh, for sure. So Chris, next week we're going to be talking about our favorite debut albums, and we're going to be introducing a new segment called The Big Four. We all know The Big Four of Thrash, so in this segment, we'll be picking what we feel is The Big Four in any category, be it bass players or songwriting teams. So that's all for this week on Debating Metal. I'm the Dean of Metal, Kenneth Dean. And I'm Chris K. We'll see you next week. If you enjoyed our podcast or just want to rip our opinions a new one, follow us at facebook.com slash debatingmetalpodcast or Instagram at Debating Metal. And we'll be setting up more social media over the next few weeks. And so for the next few weeks, you can find us on Podbean while we work on getting on all the major platforms so you can listen to your favorite podcast, Debating Metal.